Nation Nail Salon and Grocery Store. Wait, she's at the nail salon and the grocery store? I'm at the Combination Nail Salon and Grocery Store. Groceries through Instacart, delivered to my door. I don't have to choose between acrylics and the grocery store. On Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR. So, as I am surfing around here this morning in the spacious studios of Sports Radio 950 KJR headquarters of Northwest Wild Country, year 15 on the air, uh, my name is Joel Shangle. I am Trying to take a glance ahead at the weather forecast throughout the state of Washington, specifically Washington more so than Oregon. Uh, I'm alone in the studio this morning because uh, because Bill Herzog could not make it over the mountain pass. Uh, it's almost April, and we have snow falling in the Seattle area. I guess you'd call it snow. Would you call it snow, Mandy? It's kind of snow-ish. Yeah, it was a little slushy. Snow-ish, yeah. You came from further south than I did, so... When I got onto the freeway this morning to drive north from SeaTac, there were cars passing by me coming from the south that had an inch. They had an inch of snow on them. So, did you get that down down south yeah, where you are? I had to I had to scrape uh, snow <laughs> off my car this oh, morning. Yep. Dear, it's, 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 it's springtime. In case in case you weren't aware, it's officially springtime. Oh boy! All right. Well, so anyways, if you're planning on fishing anywhere on the west side today, uh, be prepared for a little bit of cold. Kind of thought it was going to be the case when I went outside last night. It was about 15 degrees colder than I planned on being. So anyways, welcome to springtime here in the Pacific Northwest and welcome to Northwest Wild Country. We are America's number one rated outdoors news magazine, have been for 15 years. Uh, the schedule for the show this morning, we're going to go ahead and look ahead to the quickly approaching spring turkey season. Of course, uh, you know, tax day is uh, is also turkey day for uh, a lot of folks here in the Pacific Northwest, turkey hunting has been uh, the largest growth component in the hunting uh, world here in the Pacific Northwest for, oh gosh, going on 10 or 15 years. We had a spike in participation four to five years ago, and I'll, I'll pull up the numbers here in a little bit and look at them. But but with that in mind, and I've been meaning to get to this, and I, I think I may have even promised this on the air, I don't know, a couple of times, uh, we've had some questions uh, from listeners that we've kind of kept around in uh, the email queue here for... A couple months, but Scott Haugen, uh, of course, of Scott Haugen, Tiffany Haugen, hunting, fishing, and cooking, will be joining us at seven o'clock to prepare you. Uh, and honestly, I've got some questions for him uh, specific to Eastern turkeys. Now, I, I am O for Easterns throughout my turkey hunting career. I haven't killed a single Eastern bird, so I'm going to ask him some questions about. It's kind of odd that the eastern species of birds exist in western Washington. I'm not sure how that works out. But either way, I've got some questions for him about that. And then uh, we've had these these long-awaited questions that, uh, that I'm going to have Scott deal with. First of all, about uh, choosing and uh, uh, patterning and preparing your your turkey gun. This is, this is from a beginner's perspective. There are a lot of folks out there who, who have been interested in the sport, uh, and who, and I, and I remember very specifically when I first, the very first time that I, that I hunted turkeys, uh, most of us don't, most of us don't have guns that are specific for turkey. At least I did not at the time I was 22 years old, maybe. 
and I didn't have I didn't have a gun specific to it. I had uh, my trusty Mossberg that I had shot everything with. Uh, all I knew was that I was supposed to have a certain load size, and that's what I went with. Um, it was successful enough, but uh, but we're gonna get some advice from Scott about if you're if you're in the market if you're going to get into the sport of turkey hunting in the spring, there are some uh, pieces of advice that you should follow to kind of uh, shorten your learning curve. And Scott's the guy to do it. Of course, he is the author of Western Turkey Hunting. Uh, Scott is, as I've declared on this air, he's the best hunter I personally know. And uh, if I have any questions ever about hunting anything at all, he's the guy I go to. So from 7 until about 7.22, we'll reach out and we'll, we'll talk to Haugen. He is headed uh, toward Cabela's this morning where he is doing, of course, of all things, uh, turkey seminars. It's going to last all day long, him and Tiffany. Uh, we'll talk about a handful of subjects uh, specific to the spring turkey season. I'll go ahead and give the schedule of that later, but but mark your calendar for that. Uh, if you have interest in turkey hunting, Haugen's the guy. We've got him from 7 until 7.22, 7.23 or so. So feel free, if you have questions that you would like to preload before we talk to Scott, you can, you can go ahead and text those into the SpiderWire text line at 49451. You can give me a call anytime at 800-829-829. 0950 and of course the uh, the wild country facebook page is always open uh, i admit i've been a little bit lazy haven't uh, posted there for a little bit but um, we'll get back on that horse here sometime here this weekend uh, also on the show this morning even though he couldn't make it over the mountains to join us here live we'll talk to bill herzog the general he's going to explore what he's calling the state of the 509 union which means that we're going to talk a little bit about some opportunities that exist for trout for walleye, for species that uh, Herzog will pursue over the next month or so over on the east side, despite the fact that it's really crappy weather over there this weekend. This system is supposed to come and go pretty quickly, so wouldn't be too concerned about uh, that hampering your, your fishing too far into uh, the month of April. But anyways, we'll talk to Bill about uh, uh, three or four different options that he plans to explore over the next month or so as uh, we get into kind of the... We've already have good fishing over there. I mean, there are places... That are already fishing very well, despite despite you know this kind of weird weather hiccup. Uh, Lake Chelan is, for all it looks to me and looks to everybody who's fishing there, this is going to set up to be another great year on Lake Chelan, like happened back in 2014. So, pretty sure he's going to talk about that. Um, the walleye bite is just now beginning, and of course uh, we have spring trout options. So, anyways, we'll talk to Bill at about mm, 6:30 or so. And then uh, from there, we're going to jump around a little bit. Uh, we're going to reach out and connect uh, with a gentleman by the name of Jordan Lee. Uh, those of you who pay attention to the bass fishing world are familiar with who Jordan Lee is. And if you follow my personal Instagram or if you follow my Bass Nomad Instagram or if you follow pretty much anything that I, that I do as a living, you know that Jordan Lee won the 2018 Bassmaster Classic Championship this Last Sunday uh, in Greenville, South Carolina, which is where I just came back from, uh, that makes him a two-time winner, and not only a two-time winner, but a back-to-back -back classic champion. There have only been two guys in the history of tournament bass fishing who have won back-to-back -back Bassmaster Classics. One of those is Rick Klon. The other is Kevin Van Dam. There's a poll out there somewhere that ranked the, the greatest bass fisherman who ever lived, and I believe that Van Dam... And Clun came in one and two. Uh, Jordan won his classics back to back at a much younger age than either of those two. I'm not saying that Jordan's going to be one of the greatest, but you want to talk about getting off to 
a damn good start. He's off to a good start. Anyways, we'll talk to Jordan at about 6.45 or so. And then, of course, the phones are going to be open throughout the entire show, 800-829-0950. You can give me a call at 206 if you're local here in Seattle, 206-286-9595. Of course, you can always text into the SpiderWire text line. The uh, SpiderWire question of the day, by the way, uh, tell me about your most underrated fisheries. This is your opinion. Your most underrated fisheries or fish species in the Pacific Northwest. Of course, we're very well known for salmon. We're known for steelhead. We're known for, you know, a couple of those. However, we enjoy uh, a diversity here in this part of the country that a lot of folks don't understand. We have things that, that world-class, and it sounds funny, but world-class perch, crappie, all these fish that, frankly, a lot of people don't pay attention to. I'd like to know your opinion about the most underrated uh, and least appreciated good fisheries that we have here in the Pacific Northwest. You can text those in to 49451. I'll leave some time open at the end of the show so you can call in if you'd like to. Again, 800-829-0950. In the meantime, um, talk about diversity. Take a look at the guys who will be competing later this morning in the championship of the uh, Major League Fishing Summit Cup from Alpena, Michigan. Uh, One of those guys is uh, Jacob Wheeler, who has interrupted his fishing this morning to join us. And uh, Jacob, the, the cool part I, that I really like about Major League Fishing is that no matter who's in the lineup, you're loaded with Forestwood Cup champions, Bassmaster Classic champions, Anglers of the Year, and it is a broad range of dudes. Who, and the guys you're fishing against, competing against for this that airs today is no different. It's a diverse bunch of dudes. Exactly. I mean, that's always fun. It's just the, it's the format that gets you excited about it. And then you have all these great anglers and, and we all can do totally different things. You know, some of us are great shallow water anglers. Some of us are really good at both. And, and, you know, some of us really specialize in finesse tactics and everything else. So it's like a di- really diverse group of guys that really can at any point in time, catch them and crack the coat on any given lake. So it's a lot of fun. I mean, every time we go out there on those lakes, man, it's just like, you know, you, you go ready, set, go, and it's like a dang chase to the, you know, uh, the race to the finish, and it's, it's a lot of fun. Would you say going into this particular championship that, that any of the group that you fished against or fished with had an advantage at all? I mean, it's, uh, it's Alpena, Michigan, which, of course, is very well known for uh, great smallmouth fisheries. However, as is, as is always the case with, with Randy White and the guys who, who set the lakes at MLF, you really have no clue. You you could have gone to you know a, a, a shallow largemouth lake, but going into it, did you? I mean, I'm, I'm, you're always confident. I'm I'm aware of that. But yeah, <laughs> did, but but did you feel like there was anybody who may have had an edge at that whatsoever? I mean, because it, it, Aaron Martin's had a, had a great first first round. Um, I mean, there there were some situations that occurred leading up to the championship that would maybe lead you to believe uh, maybe there's a guy who's got an advantage. Correct or no? Well, there's always there's always this thing like in professional bass fishing, we're always like, oh, the guy who lives there is gonna catch. You know, come on, it's it's whatever. You know, major league fishing is totally different. You know, obviously, it's like you know, so we go to Arkansas, we think, oh, okay, Scott Suggs is gonna catch him because he knows this lake or something. Yeah. We go to Michigan, we think Van Dam's gonna catch him because Van Dam lives up that way and he's yep. probably fished every little puddle pond, yep. creek up in like in Michigan. So. You know, I mean, you think of that, and Aaron, obviously, because, I mean, Aaron is just an unbelievable fisherman, but he's an sure. unbelievable smallmouth fisherman. Mm-hmm. And so you think Aaron, you know, he, he, you know, he's he got a way with it with just figuring stuff out that nobody else is going to figure out. So, yeah. 
you know, I, you definitely would have put Aaron pretty high up there, you know, but like, you know, in, in, in the elimination round, or not in the elimination round, but actually in the sudden death round, you know, they, they take us to a large mouth place, which everybody's thinking small mouth, small mouth, small mouth. Mm-hmm. So, yep. you know, you, there's always a point in time where you just don't know what to prepare for. Mm-hmm. I mean, you always have to have, and that and what's, what makes it so difficult when you go up north um, is the fact you can catch big large mouth or big small mouth. Mm-hmm. You know, when we go down south in Mississippi, um, Louisiana, uh, Texas, anywhere down the south for the most part, yeah. we know we're going to probably be fishing for large mouth bass, and we know we're going to probably be fishing reservoir. When you go up north, the, 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 so diverse, I, I heard you little talk about this a little bit, you know, up there, you know, where you guys are at in Seattle, there's so much diversity when you mm-hmm. go up north that it makes it very difficult to pinpoint it down, and you better bring every rod you got. Well, the one and I interviewed Van Dam before this thing went off here, uh, you know, a few weeks ago. And, and the one thing that he pointed out, he said, you know what, coming from Michigan, I don't necessarily. I mean, obviously, he, I know what I'm doing, but these lakes are so different. I mean, here's the thing: like Alpena is nobody. I'm sure that nobody in the world has ever heard of the town of Alpena before we started to show up there. It's this little town in the in the far northern end of Michigan, and you've got within 45 minutes, you have you have you have one of the Great Lakes, you have super shallow small uh largemouth lakes you've got kind of more rocky deeper uh smally lakes so you've got literally almost any set of conditions that you could care to fish and as i said i mean i think it's i think it is mlf's job to locate places that are off the beaten path i mean it's it's just a kind of a it's interesting to watch you guys have to go through the preparation process for this more than anything it's crazy yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want Randy White's job. I'm no. sure he's going to take mm-hmm. all these lakes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure it's like would not want to do that. I no. mean, it's a lot of fun. They always keep it fresh, and that's and that's a cool thing. I mean, you know, Michigan has a lot of fishing, so what, regardless of what happens, it's going to be a lot of fun. All right, so so you got to riddle me this. I mean, obviously, we can't really reveal much of anything, but I'm going to ask you a question that you can't reveal. How many Akuma rods did you have prepared for the championship round? I had 37. <laughs> I, I don't play. This is the thing. I bring as much as I possibly can. I'll tell you, another person who does not play around when he comes to rods yeah. is Andy Montgomery. He does the same thing. He'll have right. like, he'll have more. One time I thought I had a lot of tackle when we were weighing mm-hmm. tackle. I think I had like 80 pounds of tackle I brought in the boat. That's like I had 120. Holy <laughs> like, smokes. Like, oh my gosh. Holy smokes. Like, what do you. How many tugs and sinkers did you bring? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is but is that, Wheeler, is that because. Um, I mean, you're not fishing like th- 37 different baits, or are you? Or do you have 37 different baits tied on? Do you have 37 well, I mean, completely different baits? Well, technically, yes. I mean, but you don't you don't end up fishing that because the yeah. lake's only set up because once you right, get right. there, it, it eliminates 27 of those rocks. Right, I got you. You know what I'm saying? So like, it, it's sort of like once you or, so we get so they say go and we get a rod around. You know, we we have to have 37 ready because heck, you never know. Yeah. So then when, especially, I said, especially up north. So then you get out there and you ride around and you're like, well, okay, this is probably a smallmouth lake. So I can probably just pick up my jerk bait, probably pick up my crank bait, mm-hmm. yeah. pick up a drop shot, pick up a handful of things, the top water, you know, just, just simple stuff, a swim bait, you know, and then you pick up 10 or 12 rods and, and you're good to go. Well, see, normally, you know, I mean, if you go to a large enough lake, you know, you swap out 10 or 12 different, you know, totally different rods sure. than what you, you know, picked out there. So yep. I think that's a lot that has to do with, I mean, you have to be ready for it. And, and that's what, I mean, you know, and, and, and that's the thing. I mean, like, you just, you just switch it out. You don't use all those rods. You just, you probably only use, sometimes yeah. you only use three or four of them. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, I've said this on the air before. One of the, one of the, one of the most enjoyable things for me to watch is you guys, you know, switching rods at the end of the day. One guy leaves the boat, the other guy puts his stuff. It is it is an absolute gong show. Oh my gosh! At the end of the day, it's like the worst thing in life. You want to hear? <laughs> like, I'll so go funny. over to Aaron and I'll be like, Aaron, like, because we take our lot of times we'll take our boats up there, and some guys have gotten smart and had like a, a major league fishing tackle bag. Mm-hmm. Like they already have it ready to. So rigged up, you know, got all their sponsor stuff, all the stuff they don't have that's sponsor related. Mm-hmm. And they'll go up there and they'll literally just have like Todd Fairclaw, super organized, got his stuff together. Yeah. Me and Aaron Martins, we're over here and we're just like taking little, you know, I don't oh, yeah. care as much. Aaron's like, he's like literally taking little tiny baits and all oh, this yeah. and that. And, he's, and he gets so mad, he'll spend five hours oh, putting yeah. his tackle back in the boat. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like throwing it there. I'm like, yes, son of a, you know, because it's the next round. You got to take it all back out again. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Now, where you where you come from personally, where you grew up personally, is that a is that a, a diverse area? Like, I don't I don't know a darn thing about uh, the fisheries of uh, of the state of Indiana. Indiana is not um, Indiana is well not well known. No. Put it that way for for bass fishing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, not that diverse. Truthfully, really? there's it it, it, it it is, but it's not. I mean, you have. You have northern Indiana that has some smallmouth fishing. You have, but that, I never really went up that way. I lived in Indianapolis, so I lived in you know, the capital, and there was a lot of largemouth around there. The biggest thing I was more so, you know, I grew up fishing reservoirs. I mean, I'm talking three, four hundred acre reservoirs, thousand gotcha. acres. Gotcha. You know, small places. So, you know, but I, I, the thing that that's helped me more than anything, I think, from fishing and a tough fishery. I'm talking, you know, I'm talking in BFLs. I know a buddy of mine, Terry. He's, he had six bass one year and got fifth in points in the whole year. What? Six bass. Yeah, I, I, I'm telling you. Oh, wow. Sometimes, but that's why I fish a lot of those smaller lakes. Yeah, yeah. I fish a lot of smaller lakes and have a lot of fish. So, but this is the thing. I think a lot of it helps a little bit because mm. you have to be such a good junk fisherman in the state of Indiana yeah. to be, you know, to be. You have to be a diverse enough, and it's not necessarily like the fact of uh, the fact you have to be able to go out deep and this and that, but you don't have to be able to run around shallow. Right. And, and, and that is a huge ordeal. Amazing is to be able to run around shallow, mm. fish shallow, and cover a lot of water efficiently because you're trying to you know trying to really put it all together in a short amount of time. It's kind of funny too. You talk to um, a lot of these guys who compete, and I did this the week that we were up there. I asked them about how they feel about about fishing for smallmouth and uh, Skeet Reese, who, who's very successful, had a great career. He says he says I, I'm a I'm a terrible. I suck at catching smallmouth. Yeah, he clearly does not suck at catching smallmouth. He's, he's he's good at it. But a lot of guys have. I mean, not a lot of guys, but a handful of guys have have got that. I'm looking at your statistics throughout your career. And you've actually done pretty darn well in some of the northern lakes with smallmouth. This, despite the fact that, that as you were just saying with Indiana, you don't necessarily have smallmouth fisheries to, to practice on or, or to grow up with. Well, I'll tell you what the biggest thing with that, Joel, is I, I actually, I absolutely stunk it up for a while there on smallmouth. Really? Like for the last, probably, I want to say between 2012 and 2014, mm-hmm. I don't know if I got a check in a smallmouth event. Huh. And then, and then I, I was just so mad about it. I was like, I gotta learn this deal. Like, I gotta figure out what I need to do to, you know, to catch these fish and, and figure it all out. So I'm like, I, I spent a lot of time, you know, on Lake Erie, on Lake St. Clair, on smaller lakes around the house, and just try to understand those fish because actually, you know, smallmouth to act totally different than a largemouth. Right. It's just a totally different fish. Mm-hmm. 
And so I, I went and, and really put a lot of time towards doing that. And I mean, obviously, Cherokee last year was all smallmouth. Yep. I mean, uh, you know, another top ten finish up on you know up on Champlain with smallmouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Malax top ten finish with smallmouth. So like now yeah. it's become one of my weaknesses. Has become one of my yeah. my my best. You know, I, you know, and, that, and that's the thing is like I feel like one of my strengths now. Yeah. So it's like dang, you know, you just. You just got to figure those things out. I and mean, I think that's any, any angler out there, I, I really challenge them. You know, everybody you know, wants to do what they're good at. If a guy likes flipping a jig, that's great. But work on the things you're not so good at. Yeah. You know, I mean, everybody wants to go out there and if he's got a favorite topwater bait and throw a topwater all day and have fun because they know they can catch fish, work on those things that you're not so good at and, and, and become more of a versatile angler to where when you have those days that are tough, then you can be able to pick that stuff up and, you know, you can, you can, you can, make, you can go to work on it. Will Jacob Wheeler's research into smallmouth, his smallmouth growth spurt, result in a Summit Cup championship? You'll have to tune into the Outdoor Channel today at 11 o'clock here Pacific Time. It is the championship. I'm here to tell you, you have to watch it. It's a, it's a. All I can tell you is it's, is it's worth the time to sit down and watch it. Wheeler, now I know you've been busy. I know you interrupted your fishing to join me this morning. I really appreciate that. Uh, uh, good luck, man. I'll see you in a couple weeks in the Sabine River. All right, I appreciate it. I'm going to try to get you about a 10-pounder over here in Chickamauga. Oh, you go do it, buddy. All right, man. Catch you <laughs> All right, later. see you, man. Yep, see you. All right, there he is, Jacob Wheeler. He is the uh, youngest winner of the Forestwood Cup in the history of that championship. He is also the only guy to ever win the first two Elite Series events that he ever fished. Let's now take a break. We will uh, turn our attention from smallmouth bass to walleye, trout, And whatever else is the general feels like chatting about, we'll be joined by Herzog when we return to Sports Radio 950 KJR. Northwest Wild Country on Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR. 800-829-0950 is the number to call. Uh, 49451 is the text line, the Spiderwire text line. The question of the day, what is the most, your personal most, underrated fish species or fishery in the Pacific Northwest? I would wager that the general, Bill Herzog, the things that he talks about today will include a couple of underrated fisheries as a matter of fact i would i would say grossly underrated fisheries bill if i were to to make a broad statement um has seen the list of that you sent me last night uh i see a couple mm-hmm. on there that, that that just are frankly are not fished nearly enough not according to you because you've got all all the water in the world out there to fish them but man you want to talk about diversity uh, that's kind of the key word of the day you have within an hour and a half of you you have crazy diverse fisheries I, I do, and I'm saving my surprise uh, little hidden fishery for the end Sweet. before I get off the air here. Oh, that's called a tease in the radio world, that's by right the way. Indeed. It is indeed. It is indeed. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to use the word winter one more time, and then we're going to shelve. We're going to shelve that. I don't want to hear it again. What is? I don't want to hear it again. You know. <laughs> so, Bill, I turned that, onto the I turned it. onto the freeway uh, this morning around uh, South Center, and I started to drive north. And cars that were that were passing me coming from the south had an inch of snow. Had an inch of snow uh, on the hoods. Uh, Are you kidding me? Oh, no, well, uh, uh, enough is enough. It's yeah, it's uh, it's yeah. it's spring, and I'm talking to you on the phone. Because of that, that white stuff, and uh, and like I yeah. said, we're using the word winter. Yep. Here we go. Ready, everybody? 
winter. That's it. You're not going to hear it again until Thanksgiving. We're oh, done. Oh, boy. But, uh, but you're talking to Jacob, right? Yes. About how many rods. How many rods did you say he had? 30, he, had 30, he, had, he had 37. 37. Okay. Yep. Okay. Well, while you guys were talking, I said, so I was a little curious. So I walked out in the uh, garage and getting ready for spring here. I uh, did a little counting. I have 12. These are rods that I have rigged up ready to go. I have okay. 12 fly rod, Twelve fly rods. <laughs> Nine, nine steelhead rods, mm-hmm. ele- eleven trout rods, and six kokanee rods. Add them up. Thirty-eight. How many is that? Thirty-eight. That's Ding. thirty-eight. Yeah. Gotcha. I win. I win again. That's hilarious. That's that's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the thing is, too, Bill is is uh, you know those rods will be applicable. Maybe not. Maybe not as much the steelhead rods, but the right. rest of them mm-hmm. will will get some workouts over the next uh, handful of months because we are, despite the fact that we have this this dumbass weather pattern burp. that we're into. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's popping right now. I mean, you've you've got fisheries that are going and they're going good right now. Let's talk about some of well, them. Let, well, let's talk about. I, I know it's easy. You know, I know it's easy. Yeah. But Lake Chelan, Lake yep. Chelan. I'm here. To, I'm here to tell you, if you. All you have to do is look on Facebook, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. It, it's everywhere. Everybody's yes. clobbering fish. You know, Bed Wagner and you know, Sam Baird, all, all the pimps over here. They're doing yep. their thing, and for good reason. Yeah. It's it's easy. It's fun. I mean, uh, the fish are nice this year. They're 14 to 15 inches. They're a little bit bigger than last year, which yep. means they're going to grow about an inch a month. So by the time May gets here, yeah, yeah, we're talking really nice fish again. Not as big as 20, you know, 2012, but mm-hmm. yep, uh, yep. we'll take them, and it's really good. And they're uh, working their way down into the lower basin, and it's pretty much tackle box challenge, man. You just kind of reach what yeah. you want to use. It really doesn't matter. Everybody says, well, I'm killing them on this, and everybody's catching them on something completely different. So That's all you got to do is basically show up yep. and put them in the right place at the right time, the right speed, and you're all good. They're like uh, 80 to 100 feet down still, mm-hmm. and but they're getting shallower every day, and we get some warm weather. Finally, yeah. uh, the fishing will get even easier. So, yeah, kokanee guys, you want to go do your thing, go to Chelan and go now. Super cool on that mm-hmm. deal. So I mean, and that's one that we that we've noticed throughout the course of the winter time. And obviously, as we've had had you know guides who have had to kind of change their wintertime schedules. I mean, they've they've just figured mm-hmm. out that you know you can you can catch fish on Chelan twelve months out of the year. Right. I had one of the old Stan Jones books. You know, the old fishing guide books from nineteen sixty eight. I was oh, wow. reading. I like to look through that just for a good grin to see what we can't do anymore. And there's a lot. But <laughs> what we said in there it goes Lake Chelan usually picks up in May. <laughs> Guys start fishing it in May and I'm like, wow. <laughs> okay, oh, yeah, so how things have changed, right? No kidding. So tell me a little bit about the the delicious white meated uh, fanged walleye. What's the situation with walleye over there? Well, that, that that's the new hotness. It's kind of started last year, yep. and this year it's it's the same deal. It's a uh, it's a fact that uh, when you can't fish for anything else, mm-hmm. you go fish for walleye. But that's not a bad thing. That's like saying uh, going to the play-by-play match and saying all we have is redheads today. Sorry, <laughs> that's okay. It's it's all good. The walleye is just kicking up, and of course Banks Lake. That's where you want to be, but we've got really cold water again this year. It just seemed, just doesn't want to warm up, but uh, you know, guys like Austin Moser, they got it figured out. He's yeah. already clobbering them there. Yeah. You know, he knows yeah. where they're at, and he's doing really well. So, you put your time in over there on banks, you're going to catch them. They're really nice fish. They're beautiful fish. And uh, uh, Rufus, of course, you know my joint, Rufus Woods. A lot, yep. most guys there right now are walleye fishing. Yeah. Right. Because it, the water's so cold, because mm-hmm. we have all this cold water that comes down through uh, Roosevelt, yep. and it's flushing down through right now. We have this period that starts like a few weeks ago 
that'll go all the way through April where the water is like 34, 35 degrees. Yeah. And the triploids just shut down. So don't go triploid fishing. You're not going to catch any of those. But the walleye don't seem to care. They're more uh, girded, you want to say, towards uh, yeah. cold water. And yep. they are biting really well. And the guys at Rufus are doing pretty good right now. So there's Rufus, there's Banks, and there's a bunch of little smaller lakes that guys don't want to talk about. But uh, yep. walleye yep. is kicking ass right now. Yeah, yep. it's happening. Yep. Also, mm-hmm. also, uh, pretty much any part of the Columbia River as well. I mean, all, all kinds of places right, you right. go for walleye for sure. Uh, here's the one that I'm most interested in. This this is Bill's advice. Uh, item number three: Get your Colville permits. Bill, you you oh, yeah. you have beaten the drum for the Colville permit since mm-hmm. since God knows when. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, and here's just a little tease. When uh, Dave Vetter and Brad Wagner were, I, were, were fishing Rufus Woods here about a month ago, we're down by the pens, and the end pen has just these, it looks like walruses were playing in the, in the, in the pond. It's just walrus, walrus, and huge fish. Yeah. And we're talking to the guy right there, and I go, I go, hey, you want to let a few of those go right there for us? He goes, oh, we're going to be releasing them here pretty soon in the half a dozen lakes on the Colville Reservation. Oh, and he goes, by the way, there's not a fish in this pond under 10 pounds. Oh, God. Oh, get, good night. Get out of here. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, I'm dead serious. And Mo, he said most of them are the small end or eights and are oh. uh, between 8 and 15 pounds. And they're all going into a couple lakes. And I know what lakes those are. I'm not going to tell you because uh, I, I went and looked. I don't blame okay? you. I don't blame you. No, I'm, uh, but I will, I will say that um, if you want to want to go want to go up there uh, and catch a big trout, you can go to you can catch the biggest cutthroat you've ever seen in your life, uh, starting right about about now. Yeah. Omac Lake. You've all heard about Omac Lake mm-hmm. and the big Wahontan cutthroats in there. Well, they're they're on the on the shore now. They'll be on the shore for about another month, and they've wow. just got there. And uh, if you got a a fly rod, if you got a trout rod, you want to throw some little spoons and throw some big black flies. You don't even need a boat. The fish are all shallow, and they're the biggest fish of the year right now. And you have a legit shot yeah. at a ten-pound trout oh. at Omac Lake. Yeah, a legit shot at ten-pound cutthroat. You oh, right my now. goodness! And this, mm-hmm. this, and as you'd met, we chatted about this last week. So th- this is this is an opportunity, a genuine opportunity for somebody you know on the bank. You don't you don't oh, have yeah. to have a boat. Yeah. No, you do not need a boat. Not at all. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's going to go uh, like I said another month. Another month or well, then it gets warm and they they take back off again. But you know what else is going on? You talk to uh, what Jacob does. Yeah, yeah. With the bass fishing. Okay. I'm here to tell you, you don't think about much about that in the Colville, but uh, there's uh, there's a couple lakes in there. There's Twin Lakes and away on the other side, it's a long ways away. But like Buffalo Lake, mm-hmm. we've all heard of Buffalo Lake, right? There's yeah. largemouth in there up to eight pounds. And lots of them. I mean, really high quality largemouth fishing in there. Holy smokes! And there's and there's a lake close to Buffalo Lake. I'm not going to tell you what it is. Again, <laughs> all these lakes in the Colville. Get a map, take a look. That's yeah. what I did. But there's a small lake. Starts with an R. I'll make it easy for you. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's no motors on that. You can you can go on there and you can catch yeah. uh, largemouth. Three to seven pounds all day long on tennis shoes. Do they have to be a particular brand? Is it, you know, Nike, well, uh, Converse, no, Adidas. doesn't matter? Adidas, Adidas. But they prefer Adidas, okay. Yeah, that's the three strikes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. But what I'm saying is these fish don't ever see a lure, hardly yeah, ever. Right, if you want to go, right. you have some lonely fishing mm-hmm. for some super high-quality big fish. I mean, there, there you go. Go to the call bill. It's not all just uh, yeah. It's not all just giant cutthroats, giant rainbows, giant brook trout. That's oh. all they have. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so there you go. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, uh, so, so again, the, the word of the day is diversity. You want to talk about uh, yeah, yeah. The, the dictionary definition of it? Basically, 
falls inside the seep lakes because that that is yeah, yeah. that is just yeah, because of the diversity of the, of the size of the lakes the i mean there there are mm-hmm. so many options to go there it's it's crazy well just look at a map this is my uh, i've been doing my research and looking around since i got here right just because i can within two hours of my house here in wenatchee i have world-class trout fishing I and mean, i can't i can't do it all with the seep lakes i'm going to yeah. go through this year and take a look around there's like 50 lakes at least down there, different sizes and everything from a few acres to a hundred, yep. everything you want. You can take your big boat down You go, and you can take your pontoon boat. There's plunge you can hike in, walk to. Yeah. It's all high quality. Some are, are put and take lakes and some are, they, they do it for big fish. You know, if it's fly fishing only, just take a look around down there. There is a summer's worth, a spring and summer's worth of fishing down there that you can't possibly all get to. That's crazy. You if, if you go into the the uh, the tackle shop there at Mardon, they've actually got they've got a map, or at least they used to. It's uh, I haven't looked in the last several months, but you used to go in there. You have a map with a list of all the species that are available in all these little lakes, and it's it's literally it's almost unending. Like it would take you three summers to fish everything. So let's just talk about potholes where Margon is then. Okay. Sure, <laughs> you, want just, you, want, you want to go catch big bass, you want to catch big rainbow? You don't yeah. think about potholes for big rainbow? No. But yeah, there's some beautiful, huge rainbows in potholes. There, there, there really, really are. Is. Speaking, of yeah, beautiful, it, speaking of beautiful, huge rainbows, as we, yes, as we segue well. into a fishery that you mm-hmm. caught the very tail end of last year, you swore at the yeah. time you were never going to let that opportunity pass you by again. What is that opportunity? Yeah, well, the ice just got off of this lake, and you can see it if you go on highway. You go on I ninety, and you head towards uh, Spokane. Mm-hmm. It's that big ass lake. Just before you get there, you look off to the right and go, "Look yes. at the size of that lake!" And there's only a couple boats on there. Well, yeah. Sprague Lake. It's a shallow lake, and oh, oh, by the way, which is also a very amazing bass fishery. That yes. gets yep. a little bit later. Mm-hmm. It's a, but uh, the trout in there because the lake is shallow, and it is the most fertile lake. I was told, mm-hmm. um, the most fertile lake in the entire state, and the rainbows in there will rip you a new one. They are spectacular, and they are huge. They are four, five, six, seven, eight pounds. Lots of them, and even the small ones will take you way into your back end of your fly fishing, and they'll show you the bottom or your arbor on your spinning wheel. I got I got clocked a few times there last year by fish. <laughs> it scared me. Those fish fight so hard. And that's just, just starting right now. The trollers are picking up a few, and that's just getting going. But, uh, oh. yeah, those are four- to six-pound creatures in there and i can't wait to get back there man. that is some spectacular stuff mm-hmm. so so yeah. do me do me a favor and uh, we're gonna we gotta take a break um okay i want to rejoin you at the the final segment of the show because we there are okay. some things we have not quite gotten to yet i would like a chance to get to that so so pick up your okay. phone in about an hour and we'll finish this conversation right. i'll be uh i'll be here i'm gonna make some breakfast i'm right. listening to you all right man Catch <laughs> up yeah you bet all right, so we'll finish this conversation here in the, 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 the final segment of the hour. In the meantime, let's take a break. When we come back, uh, we'll be joined by the brand new – wait, he's not in, not the brand new. He actually has won it two years in a row. So he's the new old Bassmaster Classic Champion, Jordan Lee, 15 years in a row with the Classic Champion the Saturday after they won, right here on Sports Radio 950 KJR. All right, so somewhere between here and Coleman, Alabama, we have a slight disconnection – we're still reaching out. We'll catch up to Jordan Lee here sometime in the uh, not-too-distant future. Uh, in the meantime, uh, again, a quick reminder, 7 o'clock we'll be joined by uh, Scott Haugen. Uh, we'll take a little bit of time to prepare you for the upcoming turkey opener. We've had a handful of questions here in the the, the, uh, the email queue that i uh, been trying to get to for the past handful of months, and I've had no luck. So we'll just get the guy... 
who knows the most about any kind of hunting, specifically turkey hunting, we'll get him to answer those questions. Um, you can uh, you can preload questions for him if you care to. Uh, you can send it into four nine four five one. You can uh, call me at 800-829-0950. and of course uh, you can you can always hit the Facebook page. Uh, so Jordan is uh, is somewhere out there in the middle of nowhere. Who knows where? We'll uh, we'll reconnect with Herzog here. Uh, a couple of things to pay attention to. Uh, of course, we are we are kind of uh, you know up to our knees right now in the North of Falcon uh, preseason setting. Things are are starting to take shape a little bit. We've kind of got a little bit of a of an indicator of what's going to happen once these seasons are set. Um, you know, opinions vary on that whole deal. I did see. A couple of sort of alarming uh, numbers relative to some of the fisheries in Grays Harbor. Also, uh, some possibilities for Columbia River that are kind of a little bit less than encouraging. Uh, we'll pay attention to that a little bit. Uh, also, we have the uh, potential of the of the Skagit River. This is one that uh, that Bill talked about uh, last week with uh, John McMillan, and uh, I didn't actually get to to hear that conversation, Bill. Uh, as far as the hopes ahead for the Skagit. What what was McMillan's uh, state of the union for Steelhead? Give me a quick summary of that, if you could. Well, it's uh, of course uh, our Steelhead fishing. Joel, it's certainly not 1972 anymore, and that's just part of the deal about living in the in the new world order, I guess. Yeah. But uh, uh, Steelhead fishing on the coast this year is better than last year. Mm -hmm. Of course, that, that's like saying uh, there's one chicken left in the hen house that the fox didn't get. But <laughs> yeah, it's, right. still, it's still not bad. Our fish sizes are good yep, this yep. year. We've got some really nice trophy fish. Mm -hmm. And there's a little more steelhead this year than we had last year, which is good. It's an uptick. And the way things were going, we'll take it. That's pretty darn good. That's okay. Absolutely. Uh, but the, but the, uh, the, the Skagit uh, has been very, uh, very healthy. It's our healthiest run of steelhead in the state of Washington for wild fish, hands down. Uh, winter fish, big winter fish. And yeah. uh, it's been the hemming and hawing and the back and forth and yeah. trying to get, uh, we're trying to get the money so the fish can, the counters can be paid. Yep, yep. So the enforcement can happen and it's just on, on, so on and so forth. And it's yep. supposed to open up, uh, I believe, uh, Wednesdays through Saturdays mm -hmm. here for mm -hmm. the month of April, I, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, and we'll, I think that that's pr pretty close, right? We'll, we'll check on those. And so, also, uh, we've we've mm -hmm. had this debate over the past handful of months as we've as we've uh, you know spied the possibility that we were going to actually have a, a season on the Skagit about you know uh, uh -huh. boat boats for transportation only in certain sections. And I mean, I mean that is, I, I think it's pretty safe to say that that particular fishery is has probably been the most hotly debated fishery that we've had in these parts for a while. I mean, it's it's one of those mm -hmm. where you know, I mean, once you know, McMillan actually gave us a little bit of a clue um, when he first came into the studio. Gosh, I don't know, three years ago, something like that. He said, you know, there's a possibility in the next, you know, pretty immediate future that we could. And and at the time when he when he when he kind of threw that out there that we could indeed be on the schedule again, it, it it seemed like a, I mean, it seemed like a like you know like you know wishing for lightning in a bottle, right? Because it's just been right, a while right. since we were able to do anything. But lo and behold, I'll be damned if we don't have a Skagit season just just around the corner. And it turns out that um, you know all the stuff that we talked about, that we that we've argued about, that we've debated about. Uh, mm. When push comes to shove, there there will be rods of fishing on the Skagit very soon. Yeah, and here's uh, <clears throat> the the problem was what we were fighting over kind of towards the end was the regulations. Now it used to be you know it, you could not fish out you could fish out of a boat, mm -hmm. but not under power, uh, artificial or single barbless hook. Good. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, that was that was then. This is now. In the last ten years or so, we have gotten so good 
at what we do, and our yeah. techniques have changed, have just skyrocketed, yep. just mercurial, and yep. what what we were able to do now and not back then. Yep. And the whole the whole thing is is those fish. The, well, what they did do, and I'll give them credit. The reason you can't fish seven days a week mm-hmm. is they're giving those fish a break. Yeah. And they have to they have to have a break because the way we can fish now, Joel, we have yep. techniques that uh, fish have no sanctuary anymore. If mm-hmm. there's a steelhead anywhere, we can catch them now. Yeah, right. Yep. This it wasn't moons ago when you actually had to work for them. Because and because this really is a sore subject, but it's so true. If you can fish out of a boat, you can access every single piece of fishable water on yep. the river, and with a jet sled, mm-hmm. you can access them multiple times. Yeah over and over and over again. And what's going to happen is, and I, I joked last week, I said, uh, I said, uh, John, you ever seen the beginning of the New York City Marathon? <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, right. That's what, yeah. that's, that is what's going to happen yeah, because yeah. of the hype, because mm-hmm. of the waiting, because of people are going to want to be the first ones on Facebook yeah. to get their pictures on there with a schedule fish. It's going to be a circus beyond your wildest dreams. It is. What's going to happen yeah. up there. And those steelhead are going to get hammered. Probably yeah. are they going to get hammered. And they're not going to get a break. Because uh, boats for transportation only would have been fine, uh, but uh, no one would have that. So what's going to happen is those fish are going to get just crushed. They're going to get crushed. And that's what scares me. We may see an early shutdown. If too many fish are hooked, they're going to have counters there. If too many fish are hooked, uh, they're going to shut it down early again. So uh, we'll see what happens. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I hope in the fishing is good enough. There's enough fish, and the time we give them the Sunday, Monday, Tuesday break we give them, we'll keep us fishing. That'll be great. Well, it's it's funny, Bill. You if you go to um, the uh, the web and you type in you just type in the words "crowded fishing conditions," <laughs> you get you get these you get these you know okay, well I mean they're they're kind of comical unless you happen to have been there, but you'll get these sure. these images of of people standing literally. Elbow to elbow. I mean, it's maybe it's maybe not going to be quite like that, but that no, particular no. that particular river, though, because of all the things that you just mentioned, is going to receive the most pressure it's it's had since anybody could remember in recorded time. I mean, there there is there is going there are going to be more people and more rod hours on that river right out of the mm-hmm. gate than that river has ever seen. It's going to be to the point that uh, a schedule regular, mm-hmm. someone like myself or older who's seen that river when it, it's first early stages of its catch and release fishery yeah, yeah. in the 80s and earlier than that, when they see what's going on up there, if they show up, mm-hmm. your jaw's going to be hanging open and you're going to wish you never went there. It's going <laughs> yeah. to be, I'm serious, it's something you're not going to want to see. Yeah. If yeah. you're used to, even on the busiest days, on the schedule, and believe me, when I was guiding up there in the 90s, it had busy days. Oh, sure. my goodness. Oh, sure. And but um, I'm talking a, a busy day with up, up there. We, we when there was 20 boats on the water, yeah, all the way from Marble Mount all the way down to uh, yeah. concrete. Yep. When there's 20 boats, you're like, going, okay, this is ridiculous. There's so many boats out here, it's nuts. Yeah. Well, yeah. there's not going to be 20 boats, too. It's not going to be 30, no, there's not going to be 50, there's no. going to be more. It's yeah. going to be it's going to be the place to be. And the only good thing about it is guys like Bobby Kratzer on the coast are going to mm-hmm. go. Where where is everybody? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. they're all they're all going to be on the Skagit, yeah. and the, the only good news is the coastal streams, which are getting just pummeled, yeah. are going to get a break. They're going to get a break, and uh, that's cool. Yeah, that's the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to before I cut you loose again. I have to give you a, a random compliment on your latest your latest posting on the social mediums. The the Skagit River, <laughs> the fish that you said mm-hmm. puts the the I don't remember the words you used. It was the usual colorful <laughs> description about how how this particular fish tasted way so much better. <laughs> Than a Columbia River Spring Chinook. That's a super cool photo, dude. Really cool. 
Isn't that isn't that really neat? That was taken at Blake's Resort in 1980 in the end of June, <laughs> oh, right? Oh. And that's a little one. That was a small one. That was back before we had quick fish. We had nothing back then. We had yeah. big tadpoles. We had big spinners. We didn't really know how to catch them. We really didn't. Well. We had big Skagit special spinners, and that was my one and only bite for the summer that I got. But I got a Skagit River King, and that was pretty special. And I'm telling you. It was pretty good eating. What did I say? That finger tasted like. Uh, I'm going to go school. look it up right it's, now. Hold on one second. Let me. School, it's, it's school paste, <laughs> uh, school paste, cat hair, WD forty, and pop zits. That was it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, pop zits and WD forty mixed with cat hair. So there you go. There mixed you go. Hair. Yes, indeed. Yeah, uh, and best of all, and best of all, you have the OG, the the uh, the the Rock KISW Rock FM one hundred T shirt. That is yes, that is not a yeah. throwback. That is an actual shirt from the day. That is a shirt from the day, yeah, when they first started selling them back then. Of course, of course, uh, back then, to be cool, we had to take the sleeves off them, you know? Yeah, yeah, You must have been working out there because you look pretty, you look pretty, you look pretty beefy in that picture. That was, that was you well, know, young Strong Bill, huh? Yeah, well, yeah, that was when, that was uh, 20, uh, 21-year-old Bill. Right back, <laughs> yeah. b- back in the day when I worked in the warehouse and I yep. did a lot of lifting, and yep. unlike unlike now, much <laughs> so, <laughs> right. much softer Bill now. Yeah, it's super, super <laughs> cool photo. If you don't, if yeah. you have not seen this picture, go to Bill and Brenda Herzog on Facebook. Take a look at it and make a comment. It's a mm-hmm. great photo. All right, thanks, thanks for the man. emergency fill in for for the for the Bassmaster Classic chat. Bill, we'll still call you at the end of the show. We'll we'll, we'll talk to you in about it. I will be. You know, my breakfast is now cold. Oh, oh thank, you, thank you. Sorry about that. <laughs> we'll catch <laughs> yeah. you catch you in a while. Talk to you. Bye. All right, so let's take a break. When we come back, I'll be joined by uh, uh, Scott Haugen. We'll talk a little bit about turkey. And, of course, we've got the phones open throughout the entire second hour. Uh, call me at 800-829-0950. Give me a text. Uh, what is your most underrated, in your opinion, the most underrated fishery or the most underrated fish species in the Pacific Northwest? Text that into the Spider Wire text line at 49451. And come back for hour two here on